shed your blood and you endured our punishment that we might be forgiven and we might be set free. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We thank you this day for your marvelous love and your wonderful salvation. Help us to always enjoy it. Help us to always celebrate it. Help us to always give you praise and glory for it. All God's people said, give the Lord a clap offering. He's wonderful. He's worthy. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you, Jesus, for your salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. So good to have everybody out. Wednesday night Bible study. If you have your Bibles, please go to Psalm 26. We want to finish up a little short teaching that we've been doing in Psalm 26. Tonight we're going to read it out of the NIV. We've been doing it out of the New King James, but we're going to finish up out of the NIV. Psalm 26, Psalm of David. And our our title has been Living Beyond Reproach or That Walk of Integrity. David says, Vindicate me, O Lord. For I have led a blameless life, or I have walked in integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and mind. For your love is ever before me, and I walk continually in your truth. You know, I was meditating on that today as I was preparing. And you know, some people confuse the love of God, and they use the love of God as an excuse not to walk continually in God's truth. But David didn't see it that that way, did he? Look at what he says. For your love is ever before me, and I walk continually in your truth. Because your love is so great, it just moves me to want to please you, and to want to obey you, and to want to do the things that would never grieve your heart, never break your heart. He says in verse 4, I do not sit with deceitful men, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evildoers, and I refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, O Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. I love the house where you live, O Lord, the place where your glory dwells. Do you love God's house? Amen. Yeah, yes, we do. Do not take away my soul along with sinners, my life with bloodthirsty men in whose hands are wicked schemes, whose right hands are full of bribes. But I lead a blameless life. For he says, but as for me, I will lead a blameless life. Redeem me and be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground. In the great assembly, I will praise the Lord. Wow. We just want to finish this up tonight, and we'll do our best to do that. And so very simply, we're going to look at Um, four characteristics that David gives us, four marks of someone that's striving to live that life of integrity, above reproach, a blameless life. And we're just going to walk through the verses, verse 4 and 5. We're going to see that the man or woman that wants to live a blameless life is going to live separate from the wicked, separate from the world. He says, hey, I'm not hanging out with those that do evil. I'm not hanging out with those. There is a separation. We'll touch on that. Um, There's a biblical doctrine and teaching of separation. But secondly, verse 6 tells us not only is there a separation, but there's a personal innocence or washing. See, one of the prerequisites of having good communion with God is keeping our hands and hearts clean. Amen? Amen? And he says, I wash and I stay clean. And so we see that. 
Um, number three, we're going to talk about the praise and testimony. The mark of a man that is blameless, the mark of a woman that is walking in integrity, you know what? They're not ashamed of the gospel, are they? They're not ashamed to praise the Lord or tell or testify uh, of the goodness of God. And we see that. And then lastly, in verse 8, that, that fourth mark, they have a love for God's house. And that identifies them with the true living God, but also identifies them with the people of God, because they're the ones that gather in God's house. Amen? And so let's look at this together. I want to be a man of integrity. Anybody? I want to walk blameless and above reproach. You know, when you study your Bible and we go into Timothy and Titus, you know one of the prerequisites for leadership in the church is that you live beyond reproach. Beyond reproach. That means there's nothing clear that people can point their finger and say, that's ungodly, that's unbiblical. And we want to strive to be those that please the heart of God. And here David is giving us a great example. So what are some marks of this blameless, righteous life, this walk of integrity? The walk of integrity includes and is maintained by, number one, separation from the ungodly or the wicked. Those that are governed by um, a mindset of morality of this world and not the biblical mindset. Looking at 4 and 5, look what David says here. He says, you know what, I, I don't sit with deceitful men. Nor do I consort with hypocrites. Now we know hypocrites, that's talking of someone that wears a mask. They play a role, but really that's not them. So sometimes a hypocrite can actually join with us. But when they leave, they, they do something else. And they got a mask. He says, I abhor the assembly of evildoers. I don't want to be with them. I get grieved to be around them. I'm uncomfortable around them. Are you uncomfortable around worldly people? Is your heart grieved when you're around hearing them mock the things of God and make light? It should grieve your heart. I abhor the assembly of evildoers and I refuse to sit with the wicked. I'm not going to hang with them. I won't do it. Why? Because they grieve the heart of God. They displease the God that I love. And so number one, there is a separation from wicked people. If we're going to walk above reproach, if we're going to be men and women of integrity, then we must practice the biblical doctrine of separation from the wicked. Now, we could go book to book in that New Testament. I could go through every epistle and show you the Bible teaches that if you're a Christian, you live with a different morality, you live a different um, lifestyle than the world does. Amen? We live by a different rule set. We strive to serve a different master. That's just, and that's not just a one-time thing. It's a, I could go through the whole New Testament. It's clear, it's clear. We must obey. If we want to be blameless, if we want to walk in integrity, we must obey the doctrine, that means the teaching, of holy separation. Holy separation. Look at 2 Corinthians 6. And let's start with verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6. Let's start with verse 14. This very popular verse. Now, if you grew up old-time Pentecostal, amen, right after John 3, 16, you heard, come out from among them and be you separate, amen? I mean, they, they preached it when they sneezed, isn't it right? Now, you know, if you grew up in this stuff, I mean, they were no, they, they, you don't worry about that. Back then, you, you knew, you knew. Either you were saved or you were lost. Either you serving Jesus or you weren't serving Jesus. There's no middle ground for nothing. Isn't that right? Some of you grew up in that. Isn't that true? We could use a little bit more of that. Might, might help us out in the long run. Um, but look what the Bible says. This is in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writes this. I'm going to look at one scripture from Paul and one from Peter. But I could go to James and John. Okay. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Don't get tight with unbelievers. Don't go into covenants and agreements 
with unbelievers. It's forbidden for the child of God. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? A Christian strives to live righteously, right? Well, the worldly person, they just do what they do. So again, we don't have the important things in common to get yoked together. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Isn't that something? If you can, how can you fellowship? How can you enjoy fellowship? You love different things. You weep over different things. You laugh over different things. You can't have fellowship with that. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Isn't that right? Wow. Paul's just asking these questions. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them, I will walk among them, I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, look at this next verse. Therefore, come out from them and be separate. Underline that. Be separate, saith the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I'll receive you. Be separate in your morality. Be separate in your lifestyle. Be separate in your, your, your behavior. Be separate in the way you think and perceive right and wrong. You are striving to please the Lord. You live your life according to the word of the Lord. Amen? You want the praise that comes from the Lord. And therefore, one of the things we have to get down is the proper biblical doctrine of separation. Come out from the world. Come out from that system. Come out from that mindset and be separate, saith the Lord. Now, Jesus said in John 17, I believe it's 17, sanctify them. That means separate them. How do we get separated? By thy word. Thy word is truth. By your truth. So one of the ways we live a separate life, we live according to the Bible. Amen? We don't, it's, not, it's not weird things. It's not, no, we live according to the Bible. And if you will live according to the Bible, you'll, it'll automatically separate you from a world out there that's not living according to the Bible. See, it works very practically in, in that way. Let's look at one more. That next verse, what's that next verse say? And then God says, you know what? The, the, one of the blessings of walking separated, God says, I'll be a father to you and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You can't enjoy intimate fellowship with God as your Heavenly Father if you're not walking separate from the world. If you're just indulging and you're just running after, you can't do it because that's not where God is. That's not where God is. He's holy. In fact, Peter is going to say it a little different. If you would, 1 Peter 1, verses 14 through 17. This is the biblical doctrine, the biblical teaching of separation. And again, like I said, old school, right after John 3.16, maybe they threw in there Ephesians 2 and 8, but I mean, it was right up there. Come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord. I mean, if you were in Sunday school, I'm telling you, it's second, third grade there. I could, I could still, I could remember. They taught us back then. And again, the one thing you knew, if you were Pentecostal, didn't know what anyone else did, but I knew if you were Pentecostal, you, you come out from among them. We are different. We don't live like them. We don't do what they do. That was just it. I mean, you know, and that's what the Bible teaches. Now, Peter says it like this. As obedient, is there anyone here that wants to be an obedient child of God? Just let me know. I mean, God knows already, but I'm just trying to, you know, just keep you awake. Amen. God knows. All right. As obedient children, do not conform, do not be molded, do not be shaped, that means conform, to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. When we were lost, we had some evil desires. Anybody have an evil desire when they were lost? Okay, yeah. 
course we did. Of course we did. That old nature. Evil desires. Now, it's amazing. We don't get rid of them all totally. Isn't that right? If someone says something bad to you, you still want to tell them off. There's something in you. Right? And the Bible says don't conform to that. Don't let that rule you. Don't let that shape you. You still got passions. You still got desire. I mean, you still got that, right? You're not dead yet. All right, still got that. All right? But don't conform to it. Don't let it shape you. Don't let it mold you. You see, the Bible, Bible's not lying. The Bible understands there's still a fallen nature in here. Though I'm born again, I still got that old nature. I got to crucify and I got to starve. I got to deal with it. So as obedient children now, don't conform to the evil desires. Now, the world will say, give in to those evil desires. The world will say, we, we ought to just make those evil desires okay. We ought to justify those evil desires. Ain't that right? It could be a perversion. It could be whatever. And the world just says, well, if it's a desire, it must be okay. But God says, the fallen human nature has some desires that are evil. And they're not to be fed. And they're not to be propagated. They're not to be allowed to run amok. They're to be denied and crucified and rejected. So Peter says, listen, as obedient, if you want to be obedient, what do you do with the old evil desires that you used to have? You, you don't conform to them. The anger, you don't conform to it anymore. That, that, that desire to cheat, if it, was, if, it was, if it was good for you, you don't conform to that. You don't give in to that anymore. Amen? You stop that behavior. But just as he who called you is holy, so instead of conforming to the old nature, I'm going to conform to my new Savior. Amen? But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy. Or the word holy, in other words, is separated. Be different. Be be separated in all that you do in every area of our lives. If we'll let the Word of God and the Spirit of God direct us, we're going to live different. We're going to think different. We're going to strive different. It'll be easy to tell. If anyone's got a wonder, you don't got it. If there's any wonder in it, it's just, Amen. Light and darkness. You don't got to wonder, right? Light's on, the light's off. Isn't that true? Yeah. But as it is written, be holy, as I am holy. Now look at verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Strangers. You're not to live like they live. You're not to um, dance to what they dance to. You're not to indulge in what they indulge in. But since we call on a Father that's going to judge everyone, so we're going to live here how? As strangers in reverent fear. So the first thing I recognize, what Peter just said, in me and in you, there's some evil desires. Now, the longer you walk with God, you crucify them more and more, and you develop the new nature, so you overcome a lot of those things. Amen? But the fact is, that old rascal's there. Till they, I mean, I've seen some people, they've been saved 50 years, but if you push their button, they'll act like they're, they're not saved. You might wonder, ho, ho, isn't it right? And we all say amen, amen. We all know one another. We don't, we don't have to act shy. All right. But the Bible clearly says, I'm not supposed to um, justify that behavior. I'm not supposed to make excuses for that behavior. I'm supposed to crucify that behavior and and reject and dismiss that behavior and try to put out that behavior. And instead, I'm supposed to um, 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 be conformed to Jesus. I'm going to be holy like Jesus is holy. And I'm going to live pure as Jesus is pure. I call on a Father who judges us impartially. God isn't a favorite. So I'm going to live my life here 
as a stranger in reverent fear. If that world don't think you're strange, then, then, then something wrong with your walk. Amen? All right, all right, all right. So number one, one mark of the blameless, righteous life, that walk of integrity, verses 4 and 5 speak of the separation from wicked people, the ungodly. We don't walk that way. We don't do what they do. We don't live what they, like they live. And now you know, in Psalm 1, it's interesting, Psalm 1 describes to us the happy man. Amen? The blessed is the man. Happy is the man. And the two marks about the happy man, God, when God considers happy, is they're separated and they're saturated. Isn't that wonderful? If you want to learn two beautiful keys to living joyful in this present fallen world, separation and saturation. Psalm 1, most of us know it by heart, don't we? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers, but there's separation, there's separation. Blessed is the man that's separated, but his delight, what he loves, what he gets happy about, what he drinks up, his delight. What do you delight in? It's what you do most of the time. Look at your calendar. It'll tell you what you delight in. But his delight is in what? The law of the Bible. The law of the Lord. And in that law, what's He do? Does He just see it once a month? No. He meditates on it. He feeds on it day and night. That man is like a tree planted by rivers of water. Man, He's strong. He bears fruit. Whatever He does, prospers. Hey, if you want a key to successful, joyful, victorious Christian living, separation, saturation. Separation from the world, the philosophy of the world. We don't do what they do. We don't live what they live. It doesn't care the Supreme Court says it, what does God say? It doesn't say if everyone's doing it, everyone's going to hell if they don't get saved. No, 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 no. We're separated from that world. Because we're serving Jesus now. We're building our house upon the rock of His Word now. Amen? But there's more than separation. There's saturation. There's drinking that Word, walking in the blessings of the Word, walking in the promises of that Word, enjoying the Holy Ghost, man, getting filled with the Spirit, staying, walking in the joy and peace and the goodness of God. Separation and saturation. Woo! Glory be to God. Now, one author wants to comment. I thought it was very interesting. I think it was Dr. Boyce. He comments on David's, what David's saying here in verses 4 and 5. And he writes about separation from the wicked. And he wrote something very interesting. He says, not that we're too good for them. It's that we're not good enough. And he got me when he read that. And he went on. He explained. See, because it'll contaminate us. The temptation will wear us down. If you're not affecting them, they're affecting you. And he went on to say, you know, and this is, you know, I think, yes, I believe it's Dr. Boyce. He said, you know, we're so easy. Well, Jesus sat with sinners, but Jesus never sinned. So there's no, Jesus wasn't going to go their way. fact of the matter is, if you hang out with sinners long enough, you'll start acting like them before they start acting like you. If you start acting like that, you'll, they'll, they'll convert you before you convert them. Stay away from, we're not strong enough. Stay away from that. And give no place, the Bible says. Amen? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was interesting. And he comments here, hating their company is not a matter of social preference, but of spiritual alignment. Who are you aligned with? Who are you aligned with? Are you aligned with the Lord? Amen, amen, amen. 
If I choose to walk with God, then God's not a part of certain things. I can't be a part of certain things. And how's that sound? All right? Yeah, yeah, all right. Okay. Not implying, not implying, not implying here. Physical isolation. We're not called to be monks. But in a real world, spiritual and moral separation. We're in it, but we're not of it. We have to work alongside them, go to school alongside them. But our morality is different. Our lifestyle is different. What we love and strive for is different. What we applaud and what we weep over, very different. We're not running to the hills to be monks. We're living right in the middle of it all. But we live different because we have a different spirit, we have a different Lord, and we have a different rule. Can you say amen? Yeah, all right. So, so number one, number one, uh, and um, number one, separation from the wicked. If we're going to walk in integrity, we, we've got to walk holy. We've got to walk separate. And I, I would say it like this. Really, be honest. Who, who's converting who? Are they more influencing you or are you influencing them? It usually doesn't take long to tell, does it? All right. Number two, number two, there's personal innocence. Look at verse six. And look what David says in verse six. Uh, personal innocence. And again, we, we really, we got on this last time we studied. But verse 6 says, I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, O Lord. I wash my hands in innocence. Personally, we emphasized in this last lesson the importance of allowing divine scrutiny in our life. Allowing God to examine us. That when we read the Word of God and we have a proper attitude towards the Word of God, that the Word washes us like a mirror. And it helps us to stay clean. And the psalmist prayed, uh, search me, O God, and see. And one of the things that help us to have good spiritual hygiene is to allow the Word and the Spirit of God to, to examine us. I'd rather, hey, you know, I'd rather that the, the Lord shows me something when it's in a little stage than when it gets so big that it costs me dearly. Can you say amen? I'd rather Him say, I'd rather the Holy Spirit just convict me as I'm doing my devotions in the quiet place with God and say, son... That attitude's going to cost you. Then let it get so bad you lose your job because that anger got the best of you. Or God forbid you went with someone else's. Yeah. The Holy Ghost loves us. The Word of God loves us. But if we don't give Him an opportunity to examine us, we are rejecting one of the greatest blessings we have from God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Personal innocence. Personal cleansing is a prerequisite for acceptable worship. We can jump and shout and sing all the latest songs. Let me explain something to you. God judges worship, number one, by the condition of a person's heart. We can sing better than Pavarotti. If my heart's not right, God hadn't heard anything. We could sing like a nightingale. And nothing wrong with having a good voice. Wish I had one. Amen. Uh, I, I, you know, I'd use it if I could. But, hey, I'll tell you one thing. If my heart's not good, God don't care. You could all fall out and jump around doing Jericho March. God, God, if God looks at that heart. Look, look at Psalm. Look at Psalm 24. Look at Psalm 24, verses 3 through 5. Personal innocence. If I really want to walk blameless in integrity, I've got to practice personal innocence. I've got to wash. I've got to say, Lord, examine me. Part of my spiritual devotion, part of my spiritual discipline is my devotional time and allowing the Word of God to speak to me, allowing my heart to be tender so the Holy Spirit can convict me when I'm missing it. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? Who can enjoy, who can enjoy real intimate presence with God? Who can enjoy 
that sweet, intimate presence with the Spirit that if you love God, you want. Well, let's see, say here. He who has a clean hands and a pure heart. Hands, my actions, pure. Heart, my attitudes are pure. Wow. He who does not lift up his soul to an idol. A lot of idols in this world today, isn't there? A lot of idols. Anything you put before the Lord is an idol. I mean, just, you know, I mean, I'll simplify it without getting too deep because we're, we're, we've got time constraints here. But I'm just saying, if, it's before, if, you, if you're putting it before the Lord, it's an idol. Isn't that right? Does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear about what is false. Or swear about what is false. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The next verse. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God as Savior. Wow. Clean hands and a pure heart. Vindication and blessing from the Savior. So again, personal innocence. If you strive and you desire in your heart to live beyond reproach, to to live blameless, to walk in integrity, one of the key things you're going to have to practice, it's part of our disciplines. Amen? Like we brush our teeth, we had to learn that discipline. Isn't that right? No, no one came out of mama's womb brushing their teeth. Mom and dad had to train them until it became a habit and they did it. Isn't that right? And some of those kids, you brush your teeth today? Well, I forgot. Well, go until you remember. Amen. Get it good. All right. And, 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 but sooner or later, hopefully, they reach a point where they wake up and brush their teeth. Amen? All right. What happened? They, 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 they created a good habit, a godly discipline. Now, if you want to grow in the things of God, you have to develop some godly habits and disciplines. That's all. Good for our hygiene. Good for our spiritual health. Isn't that right? And one of the things is we read our Bibles. And when I read my Bible, my Bible encourages me. My Bible teaches me. But also my Bible, we said last time, acts like a mirror that sometimes examines me. And I could read something. I can still remember the first time God really, the, 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 the thing hit me like a ton of bricks when God said in Philippians 4, and let your gentleness be evident to all. And God just hit me. It was as if an invisible boom. And God said, you're not gentle. Part of me didn't want to be gentle. That's not very manly. He wants to be gentle. Amen? John Wayne wasn't gentle. I didn't grow up to want to be gentle. Isn't that right? Man, gentle. Supposed to be strong, firm. Isn't that right? No, no. There are no men around here that anybody will be honest with me. We didn't grow up to be gentle. Isn't that true? God says, I want you gentle. I don't want you being so gruff and so rough. But it was the Word of God. And for a good two, three years, I mean, I dealt, I prayed. And they're right. I mean, who wants, who wants to? Who wants, no one comes up to the altar call. We're going to have an altar call for gentleness. Now, if we have a double portion of power, everybody runs down. They fall out, slobber over one another. Amen? We want power. We want gifts. Hey, hey, hey. Isn't that right? I want, you know, we come, we come running. Gentleness. I'm gentle. They'll walk all over me. This world will chew me up. Jesus was gentle. I'm telling you. But it was in that private time. What was God? He was examining me. And God was saying, son, here's a place you're not measuring up. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's gentleness. Ain't right? Jesus was gentle. God says, I applaud gentleness and you're not even striving to walk in it. In fact, son, you're failing in this area. 
It was the Word. Now, okay, follow me. When we practice examination and God shows us, here's an area. Well, if we'll agree with God, you can't fight with God. You've got to agree with God. If we'll agree with God, then we can ask God to cleanse us and help us. Amen? So I've got to agree with God, though. We studied that last time in James. I've got to receive that word humbly. I've got to embrace the word of God. I can't resist or argue with the word. I've got to say, yes, Lord. I fall short in this area. Please give me grace to grow in this area. Because sometimes God will show us something and we need to stop doing it. Other times He'll show us something and we need to develop it. And so that's, Lord, help me. I, I fall short in this. Always have. Never really wanted it. But you're right. I'm wrong. Help me to grow in gentleness. Well, the kids came along. They helped grow in gentleness. Amen? When you get little ones in the house, you learn to be gentle. Isn't that right? Uh, when my firstborn came, Pastor Impagla called and said, I'll tell you what my father-in-law told me. Very um, famous missionary. And he told him, he, he, he says, now you've become a better pastor. And after having the little ones, better pastor. You can't even open a door strong. The little guy might be on the other side following you. Bam! Everything's gentle. You learn to be gentle when you're around children. Isn't that right? And God began to teach me. Because if you're not gentle, how are you going to shepherd my sheep? Hey, you can't kill them. But you've got to deal with them. So you better do it gently. That's how God does. But this is how God, well, if you read the Bible. Now, if I didn't read the Bible, I could go on the rest of my life. And there would be an area never addressed because I wouldn't let God address it. So when God speaks, I agree with God. Then God can cleanse me. God can forgive me. Amen? And God cleanses and I turn. That's called repentance. And I begin to change. I begin to change. If it's something I'm doing I need to stop doing, I turn away and I don't do it anymore. If it's something I'm not doing, and God's calling, God being gentle. Now I'm alert. And when there's an opportunity to deal with something, instead of dealing with the old way, maybe too forceful and too strong and too quick to, you know, go for the throat, attack first, and gentle, patience. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Calming tone. Oh, yeah. So again, if you're going to walk and you want to walk of integrity, Second point here that David gives us is that personal innocence. We practice cleansing and examination. Amen, amen, amen. That God might prune us and prepare us. All right, let's go to the next one. Verses 6 and 7. Look at verses 6 and 7. This third thought. We've talked about being a separated people. We've talked about personal cleansing and practicing that. Developing that godly habit. Now here we're going to talk about Audible praise and testimony. Verses 6 and 7. I wash my hands in innocence as I go about your altar, O Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise. Do you like praising the Lord? Amen. Do you like praising the Lord? Yeah. And look, it's uh, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. Do you like to tell people about the Lord? Do you like to testify and tell them about the goodness of God? Amen? And so here it is. Again, if I'm going to walk blameless before God, I can't be ashamed of God. Amen? I've got to be excited about God. I've got to be bold about my God. So here it is. Praise. That number one, we see the enjoyment and participation in public worship. They say, man, I, I enjoy going to your house and, and bursting with praise. 
Amen? See, audible praise is the natural expression of our love and delight in the Lord. It pleases God, but also identifies David with God. Praise and testimony. We boast in the Lord. Don't be ashamed to let the world know who you belong to and where you stand. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. But hey, we don't got nothing to be ashamed about, do we? Our Lord reigns. Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is worthy. Amen? And if I'm going to walk in integrity before God. Because remember, we can go back our two or three weeks. David's main thing was so much, Lord, not so much vindicate me in their eyes. Number one, I want to be vindicated in your eyes. He invites divine scrutiny, number one, so he's right with God. Then you can deal with them. But the most important person that i got to make sure I'm right with is the Lord. Amen? And so we got nothing to be ashamed about. We ought to be boastful in the Lord. Amen? We ought to be excited to praise Him and not ashamed to talk about Jesus and tell others uh, 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 about the Lord. Praise and testimony. You know, uh, Dr. Boyce told a story of one gentleman that came back from World War II and he had from a well-to-do family in the Philadelphia area and he had gotten saved during the war. And he was kind of fearful that when he got back, you know, back with that crowd, um, he'd get back into that old way of life. And so a very wise chaplain that was um, discipling him said, well, son, when you go back home, you just go back to your old friends and you testify to each one of them personally what the Lord's done in your life and how you're a Christian now and how you're living. Start with that and see what happens. And obviously, I don't know, Nine out of ten buddies no longer were buddies. Amen? They just did their thing and he did his. But because he wasn't ashamed to testify. He wasn't ashamed to tell people what God had done in his heart. All right. Let's, um, let's look here. Men and women of integrity live above reproach or not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Not ashamed of praising God and witnessing for God and testifying for God. Look, if you would, at 1 Peter 3 and 15. 1 Peter 3 and 15. Praise and testimony. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. Always be ready to tell someone about the Lord. Amen? Don't be ashamed about it. You know, the world's not ashamed of their slop, are they? I mean, they'll talk junk. They'll tell things. They'll call. Oh, man, they're not ashamed of their garbage, are they? They boast in their garbage. Why should we be so timid about the greatest news there is? Jesus! He's died for men. He loves men. You can be forgiven. You can be transformed. My goodness! And we that know and have experienced a glorious reality, we, we, we can't hide it under a bushel. Man, let it shine. But it says, always be prepared to give an answer. Tell them about the hope you have. Tell them how good God's been to you. Tell them. You don't got to have a degree to do that. All you got to do is have an experience. If you met the Lord, you've got all it takes to tell people of His goodness, to share in His mercy. I like that. Praise and testimony. Praise and testimony. Very important characteristic. If we're going to walk above reproach. I love that. Proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. Look, if you would, um, at um, Psalm 107, 1 and 2. This is New King James. Psalm 107, 1 and 2. Praise and testimony. I like that. 
Praise and testimony. One of the things that sets us... We're going to live above reproach. That means we're not ashamed of the Lord. Amen? We're, we're, we're not being um, overwhelmed by this world. I like this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endureth forever. Amen? And look at that next verse. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Anybody redeemed here? Amen? Anybody been washed in the blood? Anybody know Jesus personally? And you know the glorious reality of being forgiven and knowing heaven's your home? Well, if you're redeemed, say so. Tell the world, I'm saved. I'm redeemed. Jesus is real. He changed me. He healed me. Turn my life around. Amen? Oh, that's all right. Tell them I was going down. Give them your testimony. And let someone know how wonderful this salvation is. Let the redeemed of the Lord, who, who are they? Whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Isn't that right? He used to sing those. Satan had me bound, but Jesus set me free. Remember that one? Glory, hallelujah. Jesus set me free. This is a mark of integrity. Walking above reproach. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We're going to praise God because we love God. You know, when you love someone, you like to express it. Isn't that true? You, you, you know, you love blessing those you love. Isn't that true? It's, and it's, usually, it's not hard, is it? Not hard for me. I always joke about that. You know, we've been in our churches. You know, when you start out in the, you know, the typical Pentecostal ranks, you know, they, you start out in poverty in most of these places. And, um, and that's pretty much how they, you know, they figure that's one of the ways they wean everyone out. Amen. Amen. And so we finally got to a church that actually paid a normal salary. Well, that first Christmas, she bought so much stuff for those kids. I mean, they're all like this. That in July, as they like to say down, July. Amen. I'm down in the basement at Parsonage looking for something. I come across three, four bags. You know what it was? Christmas stuff. She bought so much, it got lost down in the basement. Six months later, I found it. Because you know, you know, when you walk through this, oh, he loved that. Oh, he loved that. Oh, that's his favorite. And it's just, it's a joy to get them something that's going to make them happy. Isn't it right? Aren't they, isn't that beautiful? Isn't it true? I mean, you know, then you get the grandbabies, right? You, you don't, you gotta, you gotta calm yourself not to get them so much. Isn't that right? You spoil them. It's because you love. And when you love the Lord, it's not a hard thing to clap a hand and say, thank you, Jesus. When you love the Lord and you really know the Lord, it's not a hard thing to say, Lord, thank you. You've done so much for me. Oh, you've been so good to me. Amen? Oh, wow, wow. David's saying, this is it, man. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you're redeemed, if you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus, go ahead and say so. Let the world hear it. Because you've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Amen? Oh, glory to God. And look at that next one. Um, Psalm 147. Psalm 147. 1 and 2. Psalm 147. Because we're going to praise God or we're going to testify of the goodness of God. If we're going to live above reproach. See, this world. I said this. Um, you, you missed this. Um, am I getting out of here? Am I good here? Am I down here? Yeah, it's Sunday morning we do this. I said this in the second service. Y'all didn't get it the first service. My dear friend of mine, Chattanoom, lives outside Cleveland. Pastors there, Cleveland Heights, I think. And um, he was here. Brother Pastor Allen was here. Uh, a few months back, and they, him and his wife sang. And we were talking the other day, and he's got, you know, certain challenges being in the urban area, especially around, you know, this voting thing and how crazy all this stuff is. And he goes, finally, he goes, I, Joe, he goes, Joe, I had to tell my church, listen, folks, stop being shepherded by the media. Stop being shepherded by the news stations. 
said, man, that's good. He goes, that's crazy. He goes, they're getting shepherded. They hear that stuff constantly. It affects how they think. It affects how they feel. And I just had to tell my congregation, stop being shepherded by the media. Let the house of God and the Word of God feed your soul, strengthen your heart, renew your mind, give you joy, give you hope. Amen? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You see, we, we live in a world, they're not ashamed of their idols. Amen? They're not ashamed to go 110% for the things they care about. Why should we be ashamed to be fanatics for Jesus? Amen? Why should we be ashamed? But I'm going to walk above reproach. The world's not ashamed to go all out for their gods. I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to be cheap in the service of mine. I mean, that world, I mean, if they want the almighty dollar, man, they'll work, they'll work 20 hours a day. I mean, they want the buck. They want, you know, they want to be Mr. So-and-so, which is great. Good to work hard. Let's work for Jesus. Let's serve the Lord. Amen? Yeah. Living above reproach. Living above reproach. And look at this one. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. Praise. God says, God says praise is beautiful. Praise is beautiful. The Lord. Oh, no, I just wanted to do verse 1. That's all well as verse 1. I'm sorry. Praise the Lord. It is good to sing praises. You want to do something good? Sing praises. You want to do something that God says is good? Sing praises. Amen? But God says, it's pleasant to me. God must really enjoy our praise. He got to listen to all the junk in this earth all the time. Isn't that right? All the fighting, all the arguing, all them people taking His name in vain. Isn't that right? People swearing by false idols. People doing things that are vile. He's got to hear all that. It must be such a refreshing to the heart and the ears of God when He hears the songs and the praises of His people. When He hears the prayers of faithful intercessors, that, you know, the Bible equates them like incense that goes up. Oh, I have all the stench God has to smell. With all the abuse and abortion and abandonment. With all the injustice in this world. But all oh, He says, well, my people praise me. Well, my people call on my name. It's like incense. It's pleasant. It's beautiful. It's fitting. It's proper. It brings me glory. Hey, if we're going to live above reproach, we need to be a praising people. Amen? And we need to be a people that aren't ashamed to testify and tell others about the goodness of God. All right, one more, one more, one more. The last one, the very last one that was setting him apart as one that's living above reproach, as one that's going to walk in integrity, live that blameless life. His separation. We touched on that, right? Personal innocence. Got to keep myself clean. They don't probably be separated from everyone else, but if I'm not clean, praise and testimony. But lastly, love for God's house. Look what he says in verse 8. I mean, that is so clear. You don't need to know Hebrew for this one. I love the house where you live. You love God's house? He said, I love the house where you live. Oh, Lord, the place where your glory dwells. Wow. He loves God's house. The final practical element in David's prescription for how to walk in God's ways and live a blameless life is to love God's house. To love God. That's where David's heart is. His heart's in the house of God. He said, I can't wait to get to that house. Amen? Amen? Isn't that right? I can't wait to get there. 
But your presence is there. And your glory is there. And your people are there. And David said, listen, um, this connects us with the presence of God and the people of God. And David chooses the company of God's people. Remember, he said, I'm not going to sit with that group. I'm not going to walk with that group. Who do you want to be with? The people of God. The people that love God's house and love praising God's name. That's what he's saying here. David chooses the company of God's people and God's house rather than the sinners and the ungodly. And so should we. So should we. The glory of God rather than sinful worldly pleasures. Psalm 122 and verse 1. Psalm 122 and verse 1. Love for God's house. Amen. If you're going to walk above reproach, love God's house. Amen. Love the place where God's presence is. Love the place where God's glory is. Love the place where you could be with those of a like precious faith. That when they talk about the blood, you're not looking like you're strange when you say, Hallelujah, glory to God. Amen? When the Spirit moves, you can just weep when someone talks about how good God's been and people aren't looking at it, they've got three heads. Isn't that right? You know what I mean? I don't know, they'll, they'll cry, some old ball player dies, they'll put the flags at half mast and all that. You know, yeah. Oh, no. We, we, we are moved by a different sound. We are driven by a different affection. Mm. David said, I, I was glad or I rejoiced with those who said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen. He said, I was happy. I got excited. Someone says, don't go to church. Let's go to church. Let's praise God. Amen. We got a lot to praise him about, don't we? Hasn't God been good to us? Isn't Jesus worthy? Isn't He worthy? Amen. He's worthy. Let's praise Him. Let's honor. Let's go to church. Amen. Let's go and praise the Lord. And then let's listen to His voice. He's going to speak to us. He'll speak to us. And then you know what? We're, we're, we're with those that like precious faith. Family of God. Man. If one shouts, the other one says, Go ahead, brother. Shout. If one weeps, the other comes alongside. I'll weep with you. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Walking in integrity. I'm walking with God's people. Walk in integrity. I'm going to love God's house. I'm going to love God's house. I, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 84 and 10. Psalm 84 and 10. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo. Now, this, this is a psalmist. David didn't write this. Another psalmist did. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Isn't that wonderful? He said, man, isn't that right? Some people say it the other way. I mean, they come to church one time, a thousand somewhere else. But anyway, but the psalmist said, no, 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 no. One day. Woo! In the presence of God. Better than a thousand. In fact, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, than to dwell and live in the tents of the wicked. Wow. I'd rather enjoy the presence of God in His house and with His people than all these other things that the world gives such a price tag to. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless His Word. God bless His Word. Psalm 26. Walking in integrity, living above reproach. If we want to be such a people, let's follow the prescriptions that God has given us. Let's walk separate. That's not just an old-fashioned thing of Pentecostals. That's a Bible doctrine. That's biblical truth from cover to cover. To be different and walk different and just live a different lifestyle. Secondly, personal innocence. 
Let God wash you and cleanse you. When you read the Bible, listen to the Holy Spirit speak to you. Amen? Isn't it better off to allow the Lord to cleanse you than to have life? Finally have to call your number? Thirdly, we're going to praise and testimony. Love God's house. Love praising God. It should be one of the most natural things. You know, one of the most natural things really is love. Isn't that right? Again, you, you watch a child with their parents. Just love them. They come home from work. Ah, right? They, I mean, just there's just a love. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? You remember when they were little? Right? But their heart is just full of love. Just want to. You know, as we that know the Lord, our hearts is eh, praise and worship. It, it's nothing. It's nothing fancy. It's just expressing the love of God that you have in your heart through song. And that should be a natural thing, right? Because of all that He's done. Let's testify. God's going to give you opportunity. Be bold. Testify. You don't get up all the answers. Just brag on Jesus. When in doubt, brag on Jesus. Amen? And then we love God's house. Father, we thank you so much for Psalm 26. Help us to follow the principles and patterns that we've studied that we might walk above reproach. That we might be men and women of integrity to live blameless in this fallen world. Help us, Lord to live pure and holy. Help us, Lord, to not be ashamed to tell others about you, not be ashamed to praise you and to exalt you. Lord, help each one of us to grow and to mature day by day, week by week, that we might be the people you called us to be and you desire us to be. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, God bless you. Have a great night. Don't forget your offering and see you on Sunday.